0: Golden State Warriors basketball.
1: Dudes over Danny Green. Rainbow! Nothing but net. How did he do it? In the fifth three point shot of the night for Steph Curry.
0: This is Warriors Roundtable with the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy.
1: Ish Smith quickly to the right sideline, gets the handoff back to Material Green, goes baseline on Clay Thompson goes up, blocked by Clay! knocked away at the buzzer, and the third quarter ends with a defensive stop. Curry, take a roll, Iguodala, lob for Bogut, two hands on him. Iguodala getting it done all over the place. On defense at the rim and with an assist. Good hands by Iguodala, who takes the pass from Curry to the rim, dunks it down, gets fouled by Kranger. The Warriors have the lead, and Iguodala a chance for a three-point play. Just some of the moments from the last three games. The Warriors with a win over Phoenix, and then the win over Dallas. Two convincing home victories, and then losing a tough one on the road last night to the L.A. Clippers, who have now won nine in a row. The Warriors have won five of six. Hi, everybody. I'm Tim Roy, inviting you once again to take a seat around the Warriors' weekly roundtable. The Golden State Warriors currently 41 and 25, 16 games above 500. They're two games ahead of the number seven spot and trailing Portland by a game and a half for the number five spot in the Western Conference playoff watch. And big games tomorrow night, the Cleveland Cavaliers in town, seven o'clock is the pregame show, and then Sunday up in Portland. A couple of developments about that game Sunday night in Portland. The Trailblazers announcing earlier today that LaMarcus Aldridge, their outstanding power forward, is out with a lower back contusion. Took a terrible fall last night in their loss in San Antonio. Also, Mo Williams is out for two weeks with a hip strain. So the Trailblazers down a couple of ballplayers. The Golden State Warriors won't have Clay Thompson tomorrow night for the game with Cleveland. Clay is flying to the Bahamas, uh, the death of his grandfather, DeWitt at the age of 94 has prompted the Thompson family to fly back for the funeral. It's uncertain as to whether or not Clay will make it back in time for the game in Portland, but our condolences go out to the Thompson family. Now coming up this hour uh, the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, a conversation with David Lee, the power forward having another great year for the Golden State Warriors. He's also having a great year off the floor, and we'll talk about that and then look at that in more detail as we examine David Lee's off-the-court work with St. Jude's. Later on in the show, we'll examine a Bay Area treasure. Bill King, the former voice of the Warriors, as well as the Raiders and the Oakland A's. And Ken Korak, the current voice of the Oakland Athletics, has written a book about Bill King and what else could it be called than Holy Toledo? We'll find out more about the legendary Warriors announcer later on this hour on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, as well as taking your questions on Twitter at Warriors Vox. That's Warriors VOX. I Tim Roy, it's another great edition of the Warriors. Warriors Weekly Roundtable, and it's coming your way right now. Before we get to David Lee, though, a quick reminder that you can renew your season tickets tonight and be automatically entered for a chance to compete in the odd court shootout during select Warriors home games. It's a chance to win up to $1 million. That's right, $1 million. Call 888-GSW-HOOP and press 1 to renew your season tickets by this Monday, March 17th, and save. There is no purchase necessary to enter or to win. Last night, a little bit of a milestone for David Lee. With a defensive rebound, he passed Rick Barry for 10th most in club history, 1,947. Of course, defensive rebound a stat that has been kept since 1973, 1974. If they had been kept before that, you know that Will Chamberlain would have dominated that category. But we'll talk to David Lee, a guy that can fill up the stat sheet and playing very well again for the Golden State Warriors. He is next on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680 the sports leader.
0: Golden State Warriors basketball.
1: Lee wrestles away the rebound, leads a three on two, fights Bogan running the floor, and he throws it down with
0: two hands. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable.
1: Lee in the front court, dribbles hard, gets fiddled driving now, and DeAndre Jordan spins on, him with a right hand layup for Lee off the spin, a beautiful move. Well, calling all graphic artists, the Warriors are celebrating Fan Night with a special t-shirt design contest powered by Adobe. Show off your skills and design the Warriors Fan Night t-shirt. That's right, your design could be printed and distributed to all fans in attendance at a Warriors home game. Get started at warriors.com slash Adobe. Well, David Lee having another great year for the Golden State Warriors, helping them to 60 games above 500, 41 and 25. I had a chance to sit down with David earlier in the week and caught up with him and get his thoughts on the Warriors heading for the postseason yet again. Well, David, the club is playing so well after the All-Star break. It just seemed the break came at a good time for you guys in terms of being able to step back and kind of refocus and also let's, you know the other fact that, that uh, has to be addressed, the fact that this team is getting healthy right now and that's a big issue too
2: yeah absolutely, like you said, the break I think really came at the right time and and uh you know when we're healthy, we're pretty tough to beat, and uh, we have depth right now at every position playing well and I think that's helped us uh overall uh you know win some games after the break, and I think we've been a lot better defensively and and uh that's been huge for us.
1: we mentioned the the defense you guys are coming in you're averaging holding teams are right around forty one percent shooting uh since the all star break and and this team's gotten better and better at this. I mean, it's been really consistent defensively all year long, but, but over the course of your time here, this franchise has gone a total switch on the defensive end. What's different for you now as opposed to when you first became
2: a Golden State Warrior? Well, I think it's it's something that's, you know... That uh, we've paid the price for. I mean, we've we've put work in every day defensively and tried to to really drill it. Because um, you know we have so many weapons offensively, we just need to make sure we keep our turnovers down and and play unselfish. So we do a lot of work defensively, a lot, a lot more scouting work than we've done in the past. And then the other part is the the rebounding uh, difference. You know, and when I got here. We were, uh, you know, last in the league by far in, in defensive rebounding, offensive rebounding, overall rebounding, and you know, there's nothing more frustrating than getting a stop on defense, and then all of a sudden the uh, the other team gets two offensive rebounds, and, and you're right back to, to playing more defense. So, um, I think our team has has done a, a much better job of defending. Uh, we have a, a, a very simple uh, approach to, to how we want to play defense, and then and, you know, sealing the possessions off of the rebound is always huge
1: where Where are you better you think individually on defense than than when you first started playing in the league
2: well I you know a lot of it's just gaining experience and i've I've done that as the the years have gone on and you know I think that that a lot is made of individual defense, but I think the biggest thing you know in the nBA now is is team defense and uh you know because because of the talent of of a lot of these guys offensively um you know you're not going to stop guys one on one as often as you think you know it takes. You know, having good help defense, um, uh, helping one another out, uh, being there for one another, and 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 being good in the pick and roll because so many teams run high volume pick and rolls. So, you know, we're we're a lot better in all those categories. I'd like to think that uh, that I've I've worked a lot on my individual defense and gotten a lot better uh, specifically this year, and it's something I continue to uh, to want to improve.
1: You know, you talk about the the team defense. So now you're in a situation where you're maybe in a rotation, and you're in fourth game in five nights, or whatever it might be. How do you keep your focus so you know, okay, this is a guy I can't leave. Like the other night, you're playing Channing Fry. You know, you you can't leave him on the perimeter because he's a he's a deadly shooter right. out there. You know, how do you keep your focus so that the you know night by night, you know your individual scouting report changes. So how do you keep that focus?
2: Well, that's that's just it. You got to know your personnel. You got to know your scouting. And- and uh, the fewer mistakes that a team can make, uh, we call it KYP, know your personnel. The fewer mistakes that you can make in those categories, um, the, the best teams, the, the teams like San Antonio who have played together for a long time, uh, you'll see maybe one or two mistakes all game where they, you know, uh, you know, fall for a shot fake of a guy that's a non-shooter or, or you know, let a guy that's a strong. You know, we play Monte Ellis, and 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 letting him go right is an absolute sin. You got to make sure you keep him going left. Um, just little things like that. If You can keep guys. You know, guys in this league are so good, and if you can try to take away their biggest strength and uh, and force them to. It might not even be a weakness, but just force them to one of their lesser strengths. Sometimes uh, that can mean the difference between a team shooting. Fifty percent from the field, and the team shooting, you know, low forties. So, a few possessions here or there where you where you force a team to maybe go to their second or third option versus their first option is huge.
1: You talking? We're talking with David Lee here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. i Tim Roy, and the. David at times it seems like the power forward position is is a lot like the point guard position. Every night you're playing somebody who's really really good. You know, who are some of the guys that that you really respect and you know, okay, I've got to have my A game tonight uh to compete with this guy.
2: Man, you're not kidding. The West the Western Conference and the point guard and uh power forward spot is is murder's row. Um you know, I think that this year uh I think Lamarcus Aldridge is, has kind of cemented himself as as the the top power forward this year. Uh, during this regular season, he's had an unbelievable season with the numbers he's been putting up and what he's done for his team. Uh, Kevin Love's always tough. Uh, Blake Griffin's always tough. Although I hate to admit it, um, <laughs> there's there's you know Zach Randolph. There's really a host <laughs> of guys that there's very few matchups uh, that you go in saying, okay, I kind of have not an off night, but I have an easier matchup than than usual. I mean uh, Dirk Nowitzki, There's the 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 you know, the list doesn't end in the Western Conference and and uh there's a bunch of different kind of matchups, you know. Um you, you go against the power guy like a Zach Randolph or a Blake Griffin and then we had a guy like a Channing Fry you talked about that that stretches the floor along with, you know, a guy like an Anthony Davis that does a little bit of both. So there's every single night it's very important to to know what these guys like to do and and uh there's gonna be nights where you play great defense and you still get torched and, and uh I'd like to think that that other guys, you know, uh, look at the matchup versus me and think the same thing. So it's, you know, it's, uh, it's a it's a very very tough position, just like the point guard spot you mentioned. Those two positions are very tough, especially in the West.
1: You know, the other night I walked into the locker room and at the at the end of the Boston game. Everybody's getting ready to go home, and and Mo Spates, a couple of the other guys, are checking their phones and they're checking scores. They're talking about, hey, so and so lost, so and so won. You know, how much uh, scoreboard watching and and standing watching. Uh, standings watching are you guys doing right now
2: uh quite a bit quite a bit you know i i think that most importantly of course is us taking care of our business and and winning games and but it's also fun to to watch these other teams and and you kind of i found myself you know watching oklahoma city and phoenix the other night and cheering for oklahoma city and they didn't get it done but uh it's it's definitely a a fun time of year to, to keep track and what's so amazing is how quickly things can change in a week's time you know you're we were looking at looking at being almost out of the playoffs and and now we're trying to creep up on fifth place i mean it's uh it's a very very uh you know especially in the west where you lose one game and you can't rely on anybody else really losing uh teams seem to to never lose games and uh so we got to be at our best all the time but it's also fun to, to keep track of other guys in the league
1: you know, it's interesting, David. Uh, the Warriors are one of three teams that have won 20 home, 20 road at this juncture of the season. That's got to change soon. Obviously, a couple other teams are going to get up there. But, but uh, the road play of this team the last two years has been fantastic you know and you get a six and one road trip that just doesn't happen too often in this league it's so hard to win on the road and then that goes back to the defense we were talking about before but is there maybe an undercurrent now this last stretch of games to kind of reestablish oracle as a place for other teams to be wary about
2: and that's that's huge for us and we talked about when we had our our meeting right after all-star break as players we said that you know we need to to come out and we need to to have that extra effort and and talked about all the the strategic things we we want to do. But one of the biggest things we also said was we shouldn't lose any more home games uh, for the rest of the season. And that's a tough task, and obviously we can have an off night or whatever. But like you said, reestablishing Oracle headed into the playoffs is a place that teams come in and and fear coming into play. And I think we've done a decent job of that this year. We've also lost some games, notably you know Charlotte and and Washington, that uh, we shouldn't have lost at home. And um, so it's it's important for us to to really take care of our home court, and then we go out and we steal a couple on the road.
1: David Lee is our guest as the Warriors are trying to get a great positioning in their playoff run. I'm going to switch topics here just a little bit and, and uh, talk to you about something I know it's near and dear to your heart, and that is uh, St. Jude's. It's part of the St. Jude's week. You're an ambassador for St. Jude's and the, the great you know hospital founded by Danny Thomas in Memphis, Tennessee, and and as you know the research for uh childhood diseases is ongoing and there have been so many great results tell me a little bit about this why is it so important to you and and talk about some of the interaction you've had with the kids
2: well yeah initially the NBA started their their uh partnership with St. Jude's I guess four years ago now and came to me and said would you like to be an ambassador and I did my research on it and uh and agreed to do it and it wasn't until last year it seems like every time we go to Memphis we're on like a fourth game in five nights back to back and we get in at two in the morning and then, you know, just wake up in time to play. But last year I was finally able to, to go to the hospital and, and my, you know, my level of interest, uh, like tripled. I mean, it was just unbelievable, um, seeing the positive environment, um, that they have for, for kids that really have nowhere else to turn in a lot of cases, uh, families that can't afford to, to go to other hospitals and get the proper care and and kids that have terminal disease and. Um, you know, a lot of times there's things they can do for them. And a lot of times there's things that, you know, instead they just need to, you know, create a positive environment. And as you know, you know, positive being positive mentally, uh, is, is huge in in the case of kids and and dealing with some of these diseases. So, um, really seeing some of these doctors and seeing this environment with, with people that have dedicated their lives to helping others was, uh, was very huge for, for me. I, I was, very uh, emotional when I was there. Um, we took a little crew there and was able to interact with some of the kids that were in the hospital that, you know, really, for me, puts things in perspective. I'm a guy that, you know, have a bad game or something like that, and I'll be real frustrated and, and worry about things. And, and then you, you go somewhere, and like St. Jude's, and you see, you know, really puts things in perspective. So I get as much out of it as the kids do uh, that, that we work with. So um, something that I was thrilled to be a part of again this year, and, and uh, I'm really happy the NBA has continued their partnership.
1: It should be noted for those who are listening that after that visit, David uh, doubled his donation, his annual donation to St. Jude's from 25 to 50 grand a year, which is which is just great. And and uh, how much of an influence was was your your grandfather in in terms of your willingness and eagerness and your, your attention to detail in terms of checking out different charities in the way you give back?
2: Yeah, my grandfather was a, a guy that. Uh... He, he died at the age of 91, I guess it was five years ago now. Uh, and he was a guy that, that dedicated the whole later part of his life to, to helping others and, uh, was very active in St. Louis where we're from, um, and in different charities, whether it be the public schools or the zoo or the science center and a bunch of different things, uh, in, in St. Louis. And, um, uh, you know, it, it, to me, it's, it's all about, I've, I've been, you know, very blessed and very fortunate to, to be in the position I'm in and, and, uh, to make the money that I do. And, um, you know, anytime you can give back to those who need it more, it's very important. And and uh, this is something you know, it, it it strikes a chord with me. You know, a lot of these times with with kids that, I mean, they didn't they didn't ask for this situation that they're put in. You know, getting diagnosed with whatever they have, and and it's not like they did something wrong to to put themselves in this position. It's just uh, an unlucky situation in a lot of cases, and and it's just great that that uh, I'm able to to have a way to help help a lot of these kids and. So my grandfather was a guy that always always put that put that first in his life, helping others, and it's it's something that I try to do uh, more and more of as much as I can.
1: Well, that's a job well done, David. As we wrap this up, with just a couple of questions. Getting back to the Warriors, and and this team is it. it to me, it's, it looks like from from up top, from our view up top, that it just would be a real fun team to play on. Not only you guys get along so well, but but also. It's a it's a very unselfish team. You guys move the ball so much, and and there has to be times when you guys get you know you get a touch pass to to Andrew Bogut or Draymond Green gets you a touch pass for a layup. That it's got to be a lot of fun to play that way.
2: Yeah, we're we're at our best when we're unselfish and we're sharing the ball, and and uh, you know that's that's uh, kind of the makeup we have, and and you know there's it starts with with our captains me steph and andrew we're we're all guys that enjoy making a play for someone else and a guy like andre guadao is very unselfish um you know we have a lot of guys that that have a high basketball iq and uh and you know list one of their their best skills is passing the basketball and i think it's it's a beautiful way to play when done right and there's uh when we're at our best like i said is when we're Everyone on the floor is a threat, and we're uh, we're making plays for one another, and I think we do that quite often.
1: And David, the uh, final question: Looking at this team now, you know, with with just a, a month of change to go before the, the postseason, how do you feel about this team?
2: I feel like you know the most important thing I've said it now for a few weeks is is we got to be playing our best ball uh, come playoff time, and you know, it doesn't matter what's happened up to this point. Uh, we're playing great ball right now. The the most important thing is to be playing our best. Uh, you know, headed into the playoffs and and peaking at the right time, and I, th- I feel like we're we're moving towards that point, and uh, we just got to stay consistent with that approach. And um, you know, the first round of the playoffs, if it were to start right now, we'd we'd uh, you know probably looking at it would be would be playing either the Clippers, the Rockets, or the Trailblazers, three teams in my opinion that we can beat in a seven game series if we're playing the way we're capable of playing. And so that's going to be the most important thing is whether we're at home or on the road, we've proven we can win both places. And so the biggest thing is, hey, we've got to be playing to the best of our ability at the right time and uh, continue to have fun out there, and, and we're going to put ourselves in a position to be successful.
1: That's David Lee who, participating in the Hoops for St. Jude week, met 12-year-old cancer survivor Sydney before the Warriors played the Hawks. So congratulations on your year on the floor and obviously off the floor as well.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Tim. That's Warriors for
1: David Lee. I'm Tim Roy coming up. The Cleveland Cavaliers in town tomorrow night, 7 o'clock with a pregame show. It's your only chance of the season to see Kyrie Irving and Jarrett Jack in person. Warriors and the Cavaliers tomorrow night here on our flagship station, KBR 680, the sports leader. When we continue, David Lee off the floor, as impressive on the floor. On the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, KMBR 680, the sports leader. <laughs> So it over Duncan. <laughs> Elevation sensation
0: for Harrison Barnes. Golden State Warriors basketball. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable.
1: The NBA's Hoops for St. Jude's week was launched with the goal to recruit fans to support the St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital and its mission of finding cures for childhood cancer and other deadly diseases. Warriors forward David Lee volunteered to be an ambassador for St. Jude's and part of his activities back in 2011 was to meet nine-year-old Sydney, who had been suffering from a type of a brain tumor and going back to the age of five had gone through two months of radiation. David took Sydney around the Warriors practice facility in downtown Oakland and received a tour of the Warriors headquarters. In February of 2013, Lee had a chance to visit the St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. And after that visit, he doubled his annual donation from $25,000 a year to $50,000 a year. And last week, David Lee had a pre-game meet-and-greet with now 12-year-old cancer survivor Sydney at Oracle Arena. It's all part of the Golden State Warriors efforts and David Lee's efforts to make the Bay Area an even better place to live.
2: Hi. I need a hug. I need a hug. I need a hug. Said, how have you been? How you doing? Good. What's up? How you doing, David? What's up? Uh-huh. How you been? Good. How's school going?
0: Good. Awesome.
2: True. So tell me about school. So what grade, what grade are you in now? I'm
0: in sixth grade.
2: Sixth grade? I figured it was sixth or seventh. I couldn't remember which. Wow, that is awesome. You're
3: yeah, it's really fun. Yeah.
2: You're in middle school now?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, you're getting old. you like me. <laughs> you like me? That's unbelievable.
1: You know, we're thankful too that not only has he spent time with Sydney, but that he's spent time uh, at St. Jude with another patient. And uh, it
2: has. It's been incredible. Yeah, I uh, got to hang out with Sydney for uh, uh, Hoops for St. Jude week, a uh, you know, partnership with the NBA, and, and it was great. Um, very easy for me because uh, I got to meet Sydney three years ago, so it wasn't you know, the first time getting to meet her. Uh, I got to check in on how she's been doing in school. Uh, she's working on cooking and working on a few new hobbies and things like that, so it was great to catch up, and I, I plan on going to visit her before school year's up and uh, just keeping in touch and keeping that friendship going. So I get as much out of it as she does, and it was, it was great to see her again as, uh, before the game tonight.
0: Golden State Warriors basketball.
1: Splash another one. Steph Curry from distance in seventh three pointer of the
0: game. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Warriors Vox. It is again time on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable
1: to hear from you, the fans, and you can do it via Twitter at Warriors Vox, Warriors V O X, or send me an email, Tim Timroy, T I M R O Y E at warriors.com. Let's get right to them. And we start off... With Leah, who wants to know about Clay Thompson, who last night became the first player in NBA history to knock down 500 threes in his first three years in the NBA. Kyle Korver, second best at 491, but Thompson has done that with still over a month left in the season. So Leah wanted to congratulate Clay on that, and of course Mark Jackson has always been a big Clay Thompson fan.
2: A guy you fall in love with his ability to shoot the basketball but has true shooting guard size strength he's a elite defender night in and night out we ask him to defend the best perimeter player he finds himself defending you know point guard uh, and he does a great job he's you know the guy is a big time player and uh there's no question about his, him being in the top five at his position.
1: Our next question, the Jerry S M 799 wants to know an update on the Steph Curry's health. Well, he has the right quad issue, and what they're doing right now, they're just limiting his minutes monitoring the situation. And I think that's all they can do right now. And Steph, I'm sure will gradually get better. But as as of this moment, there is nothing other than what you have heard already. He has a right quad issue. They're continuing to give him treatment and they'll continue to limit his minutes until they get the go ahead. It's an ongoing situation. Every team in the league is going through some sort of injury issue. And we talked about Portland at the top of the show. LaMarcus Aldridge, hard fall. He's got a back contusion. He won't play on Sunday night. Uh, Also, Mo Williams is out for the Trailblazers. Last night, J.J. Redick and Jamal Crawford didn't play for the L.A. Clippers. It's that time of year. Teams are a little bit banged up. The wear and tear of the season is mixing into the rotations. And so I think right now it's it's, uh, good that Steph Curry has the support of the Warriors training staff and head coach Mark Jackson, and they'll continue to see how much better Steph can get in the next couple of weeks. Moving on, Zachary Beno wants to know, why does uh, Mark Jackson not mix his starters in with the reserves? Well, I think there's a couple things going on there, and one is the fact that the, the starting unit as a group plays so well together. It is one of the best starting units, if not the best in the NBA. And so I think it's very hard, you know, not to run that group out there and let them play as long as they possibly can together just simply because they play so well together. They have three of the top five plus-minus guys in the league and Andre Iguodala, Steph Curry, and David Lee. That tells you that those guys, when they're playing together, along with Andrew Bogut and Clay Thompson, they are really uh, playing well and putting the Warriors in great positions to win. So I think that's the, that's the issue right now with Golden State. It's really not an issue. It's actually a plus. So a lot of times that group has a longer run than a normal starting five, and as a result, uh, Mark Jackson's able to bring in the bench then, and you end up with a bench unit. Now, in recent games, the bench has played very well. You know, Last night, notwithstanding against the Clippers, but uh, before that, Now, that group had scored 40 or more in six of the last nine games. So that group is coming through. So kind of throw out last night. Last night is kind of the, the blip of the sample, so to speak. And look at the track work of that group. And they're playing very well together. We appreciate the time that you take to send your questions in. Glad to get to as many as we can, and for those we don't answer on the air, I try to answer them on Twitter or via email. Hi, Tim Roy. As always, uh, send me your questions and comments at Warriors Vox Warriors V O X and email at Tim timroy T I M R O Y E. At warriors.com. Hey, don't miss the next bobblehead giveaway. It's the Andre Iguodala bobblehead night, and it's this Tuesday, March 18th. The Warriors welcome the Orlando Magic. The first to 10,000 fans in attendance will receive a limited edition bobblehead courtesy of Kaiser Permanente. Buy your tickets early and save at warriors.com. Slash Bobblehead. When we continue, a look back at the great career of Bill King with Ken Korak, the voice of the Oakland Athletics. He has authored a book on Bill called Holy Toledo. So make sure you stick around for that as the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues on KMBR 680, The Sports Leader.
0: Golden State Warriors basketball. Left side, Boga. Touch
1: pass to David Lee. Two hand rim racker for Lee.
0: We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Here's CJ into the lane to the baseline. Left Follow away over Randy. Hits with a 13 footer. A shot by the spring Carl Johnson.
1: The legendary voice of the great Bill King the voice of the Golden State Warriors as well as the Oakland Raiders and the Oakland Athletics in his career. And Ken Korak is the voice of the Oakland Athletics right now. And he has said time and time again that Bill King is the best sportscaster that this country has ever produced. Well, Ken Korak has written a book called Holy Toledo, Lessons from Bill King, Renaissance Man of the Mic. It is a must-read for a Bay Area sports fan. Earlier this year, Ken Korak was back in the Bay Area. I had a chance to talk to him about Bill King and the book, and it truly was a labor of love. In Writing about Bill King, and I'll tell you how I met Bill, was walking into your booth one day uh, early in my Warriors tenure, and, and the Warriors were just not very good. And I didn't know he knew who I was. And he walked up to me and started talking to me about how uh, bad some of the San Francisco warrior teams were he knew exactly what I was going through and he was so complimentary I was I was walking on air for about a month
3: well that's the way that he was and uh, I think that's one of the themes of the book Tim for me uh, if you can imagine listening to someone for 30 years as I literally did uh, beginning and I'm dating myself but uh, you're talking about warriors games in the mid 60s late at night because I grew up in LA right. but then through the static late at night listening to those warrior teams and that was my introduction to Bill. And then you spend 30 years literally listening to someone, and then you wind up working with them, one of your idols. What a thrill for me. And the same experience as you had, Tim, because he was so gracious. There was no ego as far as he was the iconic figure here in the Bay Area. And he was truly
1: a Renaissance man. That tag gets thrown around, but uh, I'd never met anyone who had such diverse interests at Bill.
3: That's part of the title of the book, uh, Renaissance Man of the Mic. And you're right, a world-class sailor with his late wife, Nancy, literally sailed to Hawaii and back, sailed to British Columbia and back. Uh, they sailed the Black Sea, uh, patron of the ballet and the opera. Um, he was a world-class painter. I think that's one of the things about Bill's life that a lot of people here in the Bay Area weren't fully aware of. Um, the back cover of the book is a photo of one of Bill's paintings. And so he studied painting and wound up, um, I think, was a a wonderful painter. And I've said this before, and I'm a little biased, of course, because of how close we were. But if you were to see Bill's paintings, and he uh, was very influenced by the Impressionists, Monet was his idol. And if you were to see some of his uh, paintings hanging in an art gallery or in an art museum, I think you would say they belonged. He was that good. And he was also, I know, a big benefactor and, and supporter of the Smoolin Ballet. He was on the board of directors of the Smoolin Ballet, and as we're recording this here at the arena, of course Bill's memorial service was held here in October of 2005, and the, the uh, memorial was actually kicked off. Uh, there was a, a group from the ballet, from the Smulin Ballet, actually performed in front of uh, Bill's family and friends uh, who were here for that memorial. That yeah, was a wonderful memorial at the time. But we'll go back to the to uh,
1: Bill coming to the Bay Area because obviously uh, Warrior fans know uh, of Bill King and they
3: know uh, full well of his abilities. How did he end up here? Well, what happened really, The part of the story was that Bill served in the uh, Armed Forces in Guam. And that was his introduction to being on the air. He was um, literally in Guam on Armed Forces Radio. And that's how Bill got his start broadcasting. But he shipped out to Guam from San Francisco. Uh, hold on, I just can't imagine him in an army uniform. No, I time. know it didn't last very long. <laughs> no, but you know he, um, but he loved it over there because that actually tied into his love of the South Seas. Bill had this amazing love affair with the ocean and with the South Seas that he actually passed along to people like Hank Greenwald, who spent a lot of his life uh, uh, visiting uh, the various islands down in the South Seas. But to make a long story short. Bill fell in love with the Bay Area when he shipped out to Guam in 1948. And he told himself, I'm going to come back here someday to work. And he went to the Midwest to begin his broadcasting career professionally. In around 1950, uh, worked doing basketball games for Bradley University. Did a lot of minor league baseball in the Midwest. uh, University of Nebraska, football and basketball. But he came out to uh, San Francisco in 1958. And uh, that was the start for Bill here in the Bay Area. I understand that he was working at Bradley University Games at the same time the late great Chick Hearn was. And they're very good friends. It, it was an interesting story because that was Tim in the days before exclusivity, where you might have eight stations broadcasting for one college. And so at the same time, Bill worked for one station and Chick worked for another station. And they traveled together doing the Bradley Games, became very close friends. And Chick preceded Bill out here to the West Coast, down to Southern California. But Schick was instrumental because of his contacts in radio and giving Bill a couple of leads and people to talk to that were instrumental in getting Bill started up here. And eventually, of course, Bill wound up uh, working as the third man on the legendary Giants broadcast team with Lon Simmons and Russ Hodges uh, beginning in 1959. And then chick did Cal, uh, you know, the great Cal days with Pete Newell. And then when the Warriors moved here in 1962... Uh, because Franklin Muley had been involved um, producing the Giants' broadcasts on radio. And then Franklin, of course, began um, as the uh, majority owner, or at least running the uh, Warriors when they uh, moved out here from uh, Philly in 1962. And uh, Franklin hired Bill as the voice of the Warriors in 1962. Of course, many
1: of the Warrior greats were played in that era, and one of the guys whose number is retired in Oracle is is Tom Mascheri. I imagine that knowing Mascheri's
3: background, uh, that he and Bill could talk about two things other than basketball, probably poetry and Russian. Well, you mentioned Renaissance Man, and Tom certainly defines that as well. You know Tom very well, Tim, and... um... They used to hang out together, uh, Bill and his wife Nancy and Tom and George Lee and Gary Phillips and a lot of the guys from the early Warriors days. Even Will Chamberlain sometimes would show up at Bill's house up in Sausalito. Uh, And Macheri had a profound influence on Bill, all things Russian, like you said, Tim. And Bill became um, an expert on Russian history. Uh, Macheri helped uh, Bill learn how to speak Russian and the Russian culture and the heritage. And so that was a bond that the two of them that had and they spent a lot of time together away from basketball talking about things other than basketball and that was one of the themes of the book someone like a rick berry who was just a kid of course when he joined the warriors out of the university of miami and he said that bill king helped make him a well-rounded person talk about it the the warriors because fans remember his tenure
1: with the warriors very fondly and of course he called Uh, all the games, the 74-75
3: championship team. Right, and of course Franklin was one of the great, Bill worked for many wonderful people including Franklin and that 1975 championship team because of the closeness of that team. And even though, Tim, baseball, Bill always said that baseball was his first love, the 1975 Warriors, the NBA championship team, they were Bill's favorite team. There he's got it, the ball game is
0: over! The ball game is over! And are champions of the world.
3: They are the unbelievable champions of the world. The of the sports world. And uh, Al Adles was a wonderful quote. I uh, spent a, a wonderful afternoon talking to Al on the phone. Uh, Rick Berry was a great source, of course, for that team. And what a remarkable upset, maybe the greatest upset in the history of the NBA Finals for the Warriors to knock off the thin bullets and sweep that series in four games. It is remarkable. I don't think people realize they only won 48 games in the regular season. That's right. And, and people were saying this was the greatest mismatch yeah. in the history of the NBA final. Uh, and the Warriors, it was a quirky deal then, uh, because the Warriors couldn't play here at the arena. Uh, they had booked another event for the arena, so the Bullets had their choice of a format. And they played the first game at the, the, the dingy old yeah, cap Cal- center, where you've worked. Yeah. But then they came back to the Bay Area and played the next Dude. two games at the Cal Palace. Where the Warriors used to play in their infancy, and then they played the fourth game back in uh, at the Cap Center, and that's when the Warriors, um, with Al Addles watching the rest of the game on television in the locker room, because he went out to break up that infamous fight when Mike Reardon yeah. was going after Barry, and that was one of the great, oh. <laughs> great Bill King just going off on the officials, and that call is transcribed in the book. Well, it's interesting too that, that at one point, you know, Bill was voice of the Raiders.
0: Quick lineup now, and he looks and throws, intercepted by the Oakland Raiders, Willie Brown at the 30, 40, 50, he's going all the way, old man Willie, touchdown Raiders! Off the bench, that mobbing him down in the end zone. John Madden's grin is from ear to ear. He looks like a slip watermelon. Voice of the the A's. A three. A one nothing deficit. Ricky goes. A pitch taken. He's going to have it. He does. Ricky Henderson. No contest. Steals third base. Jerks the bag from its moorings and holds it aloft, representing number 939. Ricky pounds it with his left fist, hands it to equipment manager Frank Sinchek, who gives him a big hug.
3: Voice of the Warriors, we're not going to see that ever again. At the same time, yeah, right? Can you imagine doing that? I mean, the the radio voice of three major league teams at the same time. uh, And that began in 81 when Bill began his legendary partnership on radio with the A's with, with Lon Simmons. And it continued when the Raiders moved down to L.A. and Bill went with the Raiders down to L.A.
1: What do you think Bill's best qualities as a broadcaster were?
3: Well, I think number one would be his description. I don't think anyone could describe the action like Bill King could do it in rapid-fire fashion and do it in an articulate way because he was a wordsmith. He was a master of the language. And then, Tim, as you know, because you listened to Bill uh, and knew him so well, he was authentic. When you heard Bill King, he wore his emotions on his sleeve. Uh, There's a chapter in the book on Mother's Day. The longtime Warrior fans know what I'm talking about. And the great, uh, great official, Ed Rush. Ed Rush in Seattle, 1968. So he was a passionate guy. He wore those emotions and passions on his sleeve. And he was tremendously prepared. He had all these other interests that we talked about, but they never compromised his dedication and his preparation. And so when you listen to a Bill King broadcast, it was real. Ken, as we move on, you know... I have to
1: remark about it. Ed Rush, though. He told me that he sent Bill a Mother's Day card every year for the rest oh, of his yeah. life. <laughs>
3: so. No, I know, That's, and that story's in the book. But I, asked, I felt like I kind of had to get both sides of the story yeah. because if I was going to tell the Mother's Day story yeah. through Bill and also through Hank Greenwald, who was there that night in Seattle doing television for the Warriors, I at least had to give Ed Rush equal time and he was very gracious and it was amazing what he said he said you know what i wasn't very good that night i had a lousy night and he never held a grudge against bill king for the shall we say x-rated barrage (laughs) you'll have to read the book to find out
1: uh what one thing i learned working with bill and in the short time i did some a's television with you you working the radio uh, i had no idea about his
3: culinary habits how would you best describe them the full spectrum. I used to give him a bad time about his eating habits because Bill, Bill would wear a tuxedo and go to the finest restaurant, you know, white tablecloth and a maitre D, you know, you know all that, and yet he would have Cheetos and a Diet Coke for breakfast. And I said, Bill, how can you do that to your system? He said, Well, I eat a very balanced diet. I eat everything. And so there's a ch- who would do this, right? There's a chapter in the book on Bill's eating habits. Well, I remember one day I walked in and he put popcorn
1: into a, a little cup oh, and then yeah. squirted mustard and some other things, some pepper, and just started stirring it all up.
3: And that always happened in my innings, too. <laughs> you can imagine the effect of that in the booth. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. No, it was popcorn, nacho cheese sauce, pickles, peppers, onions, and tomatoes. And that always happened around the third inning at the Oakland Coliseum.
1: What was his impact, do you think, on the Bay Area and upon
3: you know people like you and I? Profound impact, and that that's really been the most heartwarming thing about writing this book, Tim, has been the response from people. Um, when Bill passed away in 2005, it left such a huge void, and maybe in a small way the book has helped to rekindle some of those memories. I've heard from so many people, and people I don't even know, who have taken the time and have been so gracious to maybe send an email or a letter, and and he touched so many people. This was a man who impacted lives, and he was a member of the family, and in the romantic sense of what we do as broadcasters. And I think people who never knew Bill really felt like he was a member of their family. It's interesting because I always tell people that I'm just
1: so thrilled to be linked to bill by default just by being a warriors announcer because he was so good and i think as far as great sportscasters go he's probably one of the underappreciated nationwide just simply because of where he worked and how he worked
3: well you've carried on the tradition beautifully tim and there are people in our business who will say categorically and are quoted in the book as saying that bill king is the greatest radio broadcaster in the history of our country i think he's the greatest sportscaster this country's ever produced uh, when you just combine the fact that he was so brilliant in all three sports and add all the other things we talked about, the passion that he brought, the preparation, and the fact that he was so articulate. Uh, when he was a young broadcaster starting out in the 1950s, he was self-taught himself really the language. He would try to take two or three words out of the dictionary and write them on his scorebook and try to incorporate those words into, his vocab- into the play-by-play of that broadcast. And so that's one reason he became such a wordsmith you've carried on the tradition as well my friend i want you to know that and 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 as we start to wrap this up i have to ask you do you still miss him every day yeah you know i miss him as a friend i obviously miss him as a broadcast partner but so many times on the team bus because he was he was great company and you know because at night going out to dinner with bill and it was like a history lesson on bay area sports and so many people in the traveling party couldn't wait to Go out and dine with Bill because then the stories would start flowing, and you know we shared a lot off the air and and shared a lot. And like any friend, any great friend, uh, I'll miss him. uh, You know, I'll always miss him, no doubt.
1: We were on the bus in Kansas City after an A's Royals game, and I, I just mentioned about about looking over at Arrowhead Stadium. I said, gee, I wonder if the Chiefs-Raiders rivalry will ever come back the way it used to be. And that got him going. It was about, about a half hour of, of stories from you know Fred
3: Arbanas to ben, Sta- ben Davidson, and it was, it was awesome. And his memory was perfect. Oh, yeah. I mean, he could tell you exactly what happened in all these games. Then you would watch the highlights on NFL films or the old Warriors highlights. So, you know, from the championship year, the A's games from the 80s. He did not miss a beat. And so many of those great calls are transcribed in the book. Um, Even calls that went against the team that he was working for. Like, I think there are five pages in there on the uh, Kirk Gibson home run off Eckersley because I, I thought that was such a great call that nobody ever heard. You always hear Vince Scully's call, which was great on TV. You always hear Jack Buck's call on national radio. I don't think too many people actually remember Bill's call of that. And so I thought that was important as well. Ken, I know this
1: was a labor of love, but uh, it, it just has to be one to, to pick up to appreciate, and I encourage everybody who's a Warrior, Raider, or A's fan to, to grab it, and the congratulations on it. Well done.
3: Well, thank you, Tim. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That is Ken Korak. The
1: book is Holy Toledo, Lessons from Bill King, Renaissance Man of the Mic. You can buy that book at Amazon.com or wherever fine books are sold. Uh, It's truly worth your time and effort to get it and to find out more about the man that you loved to listen to. Our thanks to Ken Korak, and we wish him uh, best of luck as he gets ready for his new season for the Oakland A's. well, Warrior fans, renew your season tickets tonight and be automatically entered for a chance to compete in the on-court shootout during select Warriors home games, it's a chance to win up to $1 million. Call 1-888-GSW-HOOP and press 1 to renew your season tickets by this Monday, March 17th, and save. There is no purchase necessary to enter or to win. A look at the upcoming schedule, including tomorrow night's match with the Cleveland Cavaliers as we wrap up the Warriors weekly round. Table on CAMBR 680, the sports leader.
0: Golden State Warriors basketball.
1: Draymond goes to work with three, with two, runner right
0: hand flip on the rim and down. Draymond Green. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable.
1: It's time for the upcoming broadcast. and Brought to you by Cash Creek Casino Resort tomorrow night. It's an authentic Fan Friday. Brought to you by Comcast Sportsnet Bay Area. The Cleveland Cavaliers in town. And the outstanding point guard precision of Kyrie Irving.
0: Cavaliers had him spread out. Here's a screen by Tristan Thompson. Crossover Irving. Out to Clark. Back to Irving. Irving against Singler for a three ball. Bangs it in. Kyrie Irving nails a three.
1: Warriors and Cavaliers, 7 o'clock, the pregame show. Tom Tobert alongside for Friday night's game with Cleveland. Then it's on to Portland Sunday night. The Warriors and the Trailblazers meeting for the second time this season. No LaMarcus Aldridge for the Trailblazers, but Damian Lillard is still a handful.
0: Now Batum to Lillard, 38 seconds left. Cavs choosing not to foul. Ten seconds on the clock. Lillard
2: dribbling right. Three-pointer out front. In the game! Oh, man! And Ben Sputter one.
1: Warriors and Blazers starting at 5.30 on Sunday here on KBR uh, 680. Then Tuesday, the Orlando Magic in town. The only Bay Area appearance for rookie Victor Oladipo.
0: Victor again with the ball, working against Jeff Teague well above the arc on the right. Five seat crossover got by him right to the Holy he Ghost, he'll dunk it down. VO show in Atlanta right there, the Highlight Factory. Take that one.
1: Warriors and Magic, 7 o'clock is the start time, and it's Andre Iguodala bobblehead night. The first 10,000 fans receive a bobblehead courtesy of Kaiser Permanente. And then next week, the round table goes to Wednesday night, because the Warriors play Orlando on Tuesday, then Milwaukee on Thursday. So the round table is next week, Wednesday night, at... 8 o'clock. I, Tim Roy, thanking our guests for this week's show. Thanking Warriors forward David Lee and the voice of the Oakland Athletics, Ken Korak, who has written a book about the legendary Bill King called Holy Toledo, Lessons from Bill King, the Renaissance Man of the Mike." Thanking our producer, R.C. Davis, as well as Dave Feldhouse at the controls, Ray Woodson, taking your calls and comments right now at 808- I, Tim Roy, we'll talk to you tomorrow night from Oracle when the Warriors take on the Cavaliers at 7 o'clock. And thanks for listening to the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader.
0: Golden State Warriors basketball.
1: Stolen by Iguodala. Right to Clay Thompson. Back to Iguodala. One dribble goes to the
0: wrist. And he scores with a right hand. For tickets, go to warriors.com. Or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.